you got Problems that you ought to be concerned with Moolah You don't know how you're supposed to earn it Or what to do with it Or how to keep it You're a freak with a dark shameful secret But you're not the only one Get your hidden financial fears With a blast of sun Now your healing has begun It's bad with money with Gabby Dunn Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn And this is my show, Bad With Money This episode is so far from a bummer, it almost feels like too much of a treat, like an indulgence, a sexual binge, if you will. In the first ever episode of this show, I went out to a coffee shop near my apartment and asked random people there two questions. What is your favorite sex position? And how much money is in your bank account? People were more willing to answer the question about sex than they were about finances. At the time, it proved my point about the taboo of talking about money, and thus the point of why the show Bad With Money should exist. I am very, some would say too much so, open about my sex life. I separate that from my dating life in the sense that when other people the audience might know are involved, I try to get permission or gauge how much I can share. But sex stories, oh have I got a few. Although sometimes those people name themselves as well. And I've found that the more open I am about them, the more normal they've seemed to become. Slut-shaming that bothered me so much in my teens and early 20s strikes me as charmingly vintage nowadays. You think me being non-monogamous is disgusting? How retro! But just when you think you figured out your sexuality, boom, there comes gender hitting you smack in the face. I've mentioned this on social media, and if you follow my other podcast, Just Between Us, and Tuck Woodstock's podcast, Gender Reveal, then you've heard me talk about it. But yes, let's get official. My pronouns are now they, them, theirs. I'm non-binary. You can't see that I'm putting my hands under my face like a cherub. I came out officially on July 5th with a photo on my Instagram of me holding a sparkler. Brightness, the future, truth coming into light. Some other metaphors. So money-wise, not being a woman has meant losing out on some brand deals. It's meant sending vulnerable and inconvenient emails ahead of meetings, reminding everyone that my pronouns are they, them. It means knowing that the person in charge of me at the shoot doesn't mean anything by calling me girly, but still wondering if I should mention it or not. And some of that means losing out on money, as I said. I'd say since I stopped taking women-centered brand deals, I've lost close to 40K. That really hurts to say. But I've been pleasantly surprised by how many companies and people who pay me have said, of course, change the copy to reflect your gender. Or we'd love to have you market our sex toys to people with all genitals. So I'm still navigating the money aspect, but that's an update on me and my queerness. Which is to say that this episode is about dating and sex. And it is very queer. Straights can find useful info too. There's great advice for anyone looking to date while broke or wondering about resentments between partners with different incomes or different familial wealth situations. Today on the show, we're gonna be kikiing hard. It's one of my favorite episodes because it's a bunch of queers being super honest and funny and informative. The first half of the show brings you our guests, Drew Gregory and Christina Tucker, co-hosts of the Wait Is This a Date podcast. Drew is my bestie and roommate, although now she's in Cincinnati working on a movie and I miss her. Christina is a very talented writer for the queer website Autostraddle. 
Our second guest is sex writer and author of the newsletter Boy Slut, Zachary Zane. Zach and I met at a bisexuality conference that was being thrown by the Obama White House, if you can believe that that is a sentence. I also know Zach from We Have Hooked Up, but I'm going to let you all form your own opinions on how many guests this season I've kissed. It's not none. Our first half is about dating, going on dates, dating long distance, paying as a way to establish power dynamics, borrowing from your community to take your girl on a bomb date for very little money. Drew, who I've also kissed, and Christina, who I have not kissed, but you never know, are smart, savvy, and great at advice. It's a joy to laugh and be fun and queer with them both. Our second half is about sex. Zach brings us through the hot and expensive world of sex parties and gives us the lowdown on just how much money he makes about going down low. Do you like that? I'm here all day. I am not Carrie Bradshaw. This is not an episode for the faint of heart. Seriously, if you listen with your grandma, now may not be the time. Unless your grandma has some thoughts on how not to overspend trying to get pounded, you feel? I'm Christina Tucker. I'm a writer at Autostraddle. I am also a writer for Netflix's LGBTQ social media channel, The Most. I am also, possibly most importantly, the co-host of the Wait, Is This a Date podcast from Autostraddle with a dear pal of both Gabby and I, who's also here with us today. My name is Drew Gregory. I am also a writer at Autostraddle and, as Christina said, co-host of Wait, Is This a Date. I'm also a filmmaker. So this got quite a response when I posted asking for questions. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to go through like some of the things that were asked. So what do you spend the most money on when it comes to dating individually, each of you? Hmm. Food and drink, probably. It's going out. It's doing a thing. It's like having an activity, perhaps I was going to pretend that I was going to go to a concert. That's not true. I'm very elderly. But I can see how that would be a thing one could spend money on. But I do think it is like activity-based things primarily. And for me, activities are eating and drinking. Yeah, I would say similarly. Also, I thought of something like outfits. Like not that I need to have like a new outfit for every date. That would be wild. But I definitely thought about that. Also, dating is always an excuse for me to clean my apartment. I love that you're budgeting cleaning supplies into like your dating. <laughs> like that's where you're like budgeting for your Swiffer. Yeah, we talk about what you wouldn't think about. Yeah, I love that. So what are some dates that, because you mentioned, right, going out, getting food, getting drink. Like what are some dates that you've gone on or that you've seen that aren't super costly? I am a big fan of like the meetup in a park moment. It's like very gay to be like, oh, we're going to have like a picnic by like, <laughs> like, if you can find some sort of like waterfront park, that's where the homosexuals will be picnicking and taking their dates. Like that's what we do as a people. That is always like a good option. And then it, it feels a little easier because someone can be like, oh, if I don't feel like spending money on something, I can make something or like, then it kind of breaks up the cost across the partnership as opposed to expecting like one person to like pick up the check if you go out to like a nice dinner or something. Yeah, I think I'm always sort of torn between if you set the stakes low for a, a date, especially if it's like a first date, so then it's like, oh, we're going out for drinks or like a meal or a coffee or whatever. But the more you raise the stakes, if it's like a coffee, two drinks, two dinner, the more expensive it gets. But also like the more potential there is for it to last longer and to do various things. And like similarly, if you pick an activity, like if you invite someone 
to a concert. It's just the more money you're investing, it's also usually the more time you're investing, but also the more possibility. So what I'll sometimes do is I'll start off like, you know, like, oh, do you want to get drinks? But in my head, I'm like, I'm not hoping like, oh, we like have a couple drinks and like go home and have sex. Like, I'm hoping that like we get drinks and then we, if it's going well, we like go out into the city to explore and and then, and then can have sex. (laughs) Right. Sure. You know, but like, I'm wanting to be like, oh, this is going well. Great. Let's get dinner also. Yeah. I love that you've brought the sunk cost fallacy into this. This feels (laughs) very Capricorn of you to have brought that kind of like front and center. (laughs) Like how much time am I investing versus how much money am I investing? Time is money famously. (laughs) Yeah. Everything that you talked about leads me to the question, which is like, can I date if I'm broke? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I did some of my best dating when I was broke, I think. I'm still broke. I'm hopefully doing an okay job dating. How? Mm. Well, interesting. Because now that I think back on it, when I was doing my best broke dating, I was dating cis men. And it's much easier for me to be like, and now you and now you pay. And now yeah. your money goes to me. And that is different now that I am not dating cis men. I do think about that equation a little differently. And I do feel more like, okay, this should be equitable. If not exactly equal, there should be some equity involved in this in a way that I was not when I did, did not simply didn't care about when I was dating cis men. I think that there's also this, <laughs> the aspect of like, if you're a top or a bottom, or if that's important to you, or if that even even outside of like, sexuality top and bottom but just like if you have a certain identity or a certain energy or whatever you're trying to like get across like payment can become a part of that oh yeah and there are people where if like you're going on a date and you being like I'm expecting this other person to pick up the tab and I'm gonna like be like cutesy about it like that's like a certain energy and like that's not really it's bottom energy you can just let's just call it what it is yeah. <laughs> Just say it. Just say me and Mal and the baby daddy situation that we've worked out between Look, it us. Works for a lot of people, but I will say that as someone who like is generally top leaning and very much like if I go out, I want to be like, I want to be able to be like, oh, I'll I'll pick the, up the tab. Like I want to like that feels very cool to me and feels very like right. I don't know. Like I, I, like I want to do that. Like even like after transitioning and being like, oh, I'm like a lesbian. Like I theoretically could like be more equitable. Like I want to do that. And I want to like at least have the opportunity to offer that energy. And if someone wants mm-hmm. to split it or if they want to pick it up because whatever, like it's fine with me, but it is challenging. And I think I just, I just pick what dates I go on. Like I really like dating, but I think I would do more elaborate dates and I would go on more dates if I had more money. How do you navigate relationship dynamics with people that have different income levels? And I added and different familial generational wealth backgrounds. If you're dating, you're already dating, how do you navigate like who pays for the date, if you split bills, if you move in, like, how do you, have you guys had experience with, with that? I mean, not to like the, the level of moving in, my God, what a harrowing thing to contemplate. (laughs) But like, yeah, it, it is just one of those things that you have to, A, be comfortable talking about and like also have an, an understanding that like, there are a lot of people who don't talk about money in that way and like don't have the vocabulary to do so. And like that is something that you're probably going to have to like learn to do together in your relationship. And it is 
awkward a lot of the times and people feel uncomfortable and get defensive when talking about money in a way that like you tend not to get defensive and talking about a lot of other things. So I think like learning how your partner likes to communicate around money and like how you guys can like ensure that you will have a fruitful and successful conversation around it as opposed to like, oh no, we've had this conversation and now we're having a fight again. Like learning those things I think is really important, but it's certainly not like easy or even fun all the time. Sometimes it's not fun. That's life. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of paying to the extent of like where you're at economically and not ascribing emotional value to that which is a lot easier to say. And I think in my most serious relationships, I have been the one who had more money, but I didn't have enough money to be like paying entirely for my partner or anything, but I just was in a slightly better position and had parents who also aren't like super rich, but my exes were in situations where they were like totally on their own or actually giving money to their families. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in that situation. And so I sort of was like, like to the extent that my partners were comfortable with it, that I should just be paying more and paying for more things always. And I honestly like don't feel like it was a point of resentment for me until it became one. But when it became one, it wasn't actually about money. And I don't know if that's just personal for me and if it's not for other people. But when I look back on the periods of time when I let my politics or my feelings about money sort of gave way to this more conventional feeling of like, well, I did this and I did that. It wasn't really about the money at that point. Like I look back and I realize that actually it was about other issues I had in the relationship. And then I was using money as like a a gotcha, even just in my own head. Like, I think that's pretty shitty to do to, to like the person themselves. And I don't, I don't know. I guess you'd have to ask my ex if I ever let that slip. But it's so hard not to have resentment. And it's like so complicated in my current relationship because I have a higher income, but I don't have familial wealth and mm-hmm. my partner does, but they have a lower income. So us navigating who pays for what and who pays more for rent and all this stuff has been like a constant back and forth. And and I have resentment and I'm not a perfect person and I'm not a role model. And I never said that I was. People can get off my back about it. So speaking of having or not having money, people asked How early in the relationship do you disclose debt? And is this a deal breaker? And next to this question, I wrote, this is for straight people. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, if we're talking about trauma on minute 22, like debt's coming up or has probably already come up by this point. Also, like it can't be a deal breaker. Who are you dating? (laughs) Who do you know? Like I had a boyfriend. I had a boyfriend at one point who had 60K in credit card debt. And that was annoying to me. But now I sort of but that was years ago. And now I'm like, oh, my God, like who doesn't? I think most people dating are like two people with debt. Yeah, I can see like the hesitation being like, well, I would not love to combine our debts. Like, mm, yeah, that would be like troubling. But like. Yeah, the idea of finding a a mythical person in the world who just like has no debt and is like fancy free out here. What's your deal? Yeah, I'm also like if someone's like your life partner, like you maybe you should combine your debt. I don't know. I've never dated anyone rich. Like that's the thing maybe I feel Mm. more uncomfortable with is that I don't know how to do that. And I think I have always navigated towards people who have a lot of debt. Anyone who would say that someone having debt is a deal breaker 
I would not date that person. Not because I have a ton of debt, but because like that says something to me about their values and about their relationship to money. And it's fine if those are your values and your relationship to money. And I'm sure you will find someone else who feels the same way and have fun you too. I'm sure you'll have a much more extravagant life than I. That's probably something else that I need to unpack. But I feel really uncomfortable with people who like value money in that way. Okay, so what sort of costs do our cis straight white guests not face that you do, either of you? Yeah, I mean, like, I I even think about this in the sense of like, when I get ready for work in the morning, I'm like, I don't think that my boss realizes what it takes as a trans woman, even one who isn't super high femme, to, to like get ready mm-hmm. to go in the morning. And like, if I'm going on a date, like multiply that by whatever. And it's like, look, some of these are woman things or femme things but obviously like being trans makes it there's more hair to remove you know you're not just dealing with insecurity you're dealing with dysphoria and so like that's why i even brought up like getting a new outfit because like maybe you have a date coming up and you're feeling really shitty about yourself and like Mm -hmm. one way that i like help my dysphoria is like going thrifting and getting new clothes and like that can make me feel good you know also queer people were saying sometimes we hang out for a while without ever knowing it's a date How can we avoid spending so much money without having any clarity? My answer was like, you got to just straight up ask if it's a date. You have to, from the jump, say, I am asking you on a date. This is a date. Yep. You have to use your words. Okay. Yes. I mean, that's what our, that's why our podcast is called, wait, is this a date? I will say that like, yes, I think direct communication is really important. Also like Sometimes you don't know if you want it to be a date and that's also valid. But I would suggest that that in itself is a date. And maybe Mm -hmm. we as a community need to put less pressure. Part of us being fluid with like having friends who we then date, who we have sex with, who we turn into platonic, whatever, like is being like, you can ask someone out on a date. And that doesn't mean that you are like, and now I'm going to want to do this on this date or I'm going to Mm -hmm. be in love with you. Because like in my head, I'm like, it's a date. Yeah. yeah, like if I'm like, this person's cool, maybe I want to be their friend, maybe I want to have sex with them, maybe I want to date them long term. Like, if I'm going out with them for that purpose, that is a date. It's not like a friend date. It's not a maybe date. It is like, that is literally what dating is. It doesn't need to be so like the high pressure. I know. There's so many things where like you go and hang out with them and you're like, Let's, we're just hanging out and getting to know each other, but like this could be something, but nobody was making any promises or whatever. Which is what a date but is. Yeah, that's like That's how Drew and I met. Yeah. Do you think it's a good idea for people to combine finances? Wow. I think that's so specific to people. It can be. It also might not be. I I don't know everybody's financial situations. And even if I did, I'm not going to be super helpful in that way. I'm not some sort of wealth manager. Everybody was stressed about it in the comments. It is stressful. And like, maybe there's a way to do it halfway. I don't know. Again, I don't do finance. But like, it is one of those things that I think people feel that is like a, a relationship milestone that they have to hit. I would urge you to separate your feelings about what your relationship is based on like how combined your finances are, because sometimes that's just not feasible for everybody. There's also a question of does this mean that you are literally like combining your bank accounts in the way that some people do when they get married? I mean, when you move in with someone, that's a form of combining your, you know, like you buy a couch together and you have to deal with that couch. And so for me personally, 
it's more about like the commitment side of it and like feeling a little bit of anxious about like mm. really being like, if I'm going to do this, like I'm not a U-Hauler, like that is not who I am. I have lived with a partner, but you know, we started dating at the same time as some friends of ours started dating and they moved in and we were like, we're going to wait a whole other year for another lease to be up. And I'm so glad that we did. And we did end up moving in together and dating for several more years. And like that couple broke up, not saying that was connected, but like, I'm just like a little bit more cautious with that. Yeah, I won. But at the same time, I would never want my partner to be like struggling financially. Right. And like, for me, it's just like, I don't want the entanglement of our money being combined as opposed to like, I need to hold on to this money. Right, 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 right. So like I've had people who I've dated who I have given money to when they needed it. And my thing was just like, as long as you don't get weird, Mm. like I'm going to pretend like I never had this money. Like, okay, like it's gone. This money is gone. And and it's like, and if they're like, no, I want to pay you back. I'm like, great. If at some point you want to like give me money back, you can. But in my eyes, for the sake of this relationship, like, and I feel the same way about friends, like the money is gone and I'm not going to think about it because that's not healthy for this. But not everyone on either end of that wants to have that relationship with money or has the capacity to, and that's fine. Like some people, if someone gave them a large sum of money or even a small sum of money would feel anxious about that. And mm-hmm. but I want us as a culture to like get rid of that. Like I want yeah. us to change our relationship to money in that way. So, you know, if you're sharing a life with someone, even if you don't have your like bank accounts combined, but if you're like living with someone and you love someone, right. like the idea of you being like, I've got a few thousand dollars in the bank and they're like, I'm getting overdraft fees makes no sense to me. Okay, so where can people find each of you? You can find me on the website autostraddle.com where I write things and also on the website twitter.com where I tweet things at C underscore Grace T. You can also find me at autostraddle writing things and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. (laughs) I keep forgetting about that, that I'm on TikTok now at draw underscore Gregory. Now we're going to be talking to the gorgeous and talented writer, Zachary Zane. Zach is bisexual like me, and non-monogamous like me, and slutty like me. Zach has carved out an incredible niche for himself as a sex writer and really made a name for himself in the space. So we talk the cost of sex. So my name is Zachary Zane. I'm a sex and relationship writer. I have a sex and relationship advice column at Men's Health called Sexplain It!, I also started this digital zine called Boy Slut, which is first person nonfiction erotica. But mm-hmm. I've been published like everywhere in New York Times, Washington Post, GQ, uh, Cosmos, Slate, a bunch of other places writing about all things sex and LGBTQ culture. You are an expert, a perfect expert. So you were talking about, okay, so you we've interrupted your writing about a sex party, which is great because my first question is, Let's talk about the finances of sex parties. What does it cost to get in? What do you spend once you're inside? What is the deal? Um, sex parties aren't super cheap. It, yeah, that's the truth. A lot. It depends which ones you go to, but you'd be hard pressed to find one that costs less than fifty dollars. Um, there's a difference. Kind of gay sex parties I've noticed are a little bit cheaper than like mixed gender or quote unquote straight sex parties, and it's because gay sex parties are a lot of you go in you get pounded, you bust a nut, and then you leave within like mm-hmm. 15 minutes versus like the straight sex parties are usually like you're there for five, six hours. There's drinks, there's entertainment, there are performances. It's uh, often a lot more classy, not necessarily <laughs> uh, always the case, but um, 
yeah, but if you're going to, let's say, mixed gender or quote unquote straight sex party or straight or sex party, um, I'd say at least $50 entry, usually between like 60 and 80. The good news is most of them uh, are like BYOB uh, because they don't necessarily have liquor license. So if you bring your own alcohol, they will have a bartender set up there. So if you bring a bottle of vodka and they'll have mixers, they'll have ice, they'll have everything. And then you can just, just get drinks throughout the night. So in that regard, it's cheaper than going to a bar and ordering six vodka sodas. So it doesn't necessarily <laughs> feel that expensive because you're at a place, you're getting drinks served to you. But I can say you can expect to spend maybe 60 to $80. And then often you end up wanting to take an Uber home, especially if you're wearing some slutty, sexy attire because you won't feel safe going home at that point. Unless if you know, you, oftentimes I bring a backpack with like an additional jacket or whatever if I'm walking mm-hmm. home. But so expect that, you know, drunk 5 a.m., 4 a.m. after you fucked everyone to be like, yeah, I'm not going to take the train. So at that point, you probably <laughs> want to take an Uber. So, okay. So before, but before you go or before, like, what are you spending on like clothes? Like, but I put body mods, but I guess what I meant was like, you know, makeup and things like that and all that kind of stuff. Like, what are you spending uh, before you go? It depends. It depends kind of what you have. Because some of them will just be like all black, sexy, sleek. So you, if you already have a black cocktail dress, you're kind of set. If you already mm-hmm. have a suit or whatever, it's a black mesh shirt or black jockstrap, whatever it is, you're set. Some of them, I went to a party this past Saturday at Hacienda, and it was like celestial body, like astrology themed. So like, you know, my boyfriend, he bought like a pair of like ram's horns because he was like an Aries and it, like, if you wanted to buy leggings that had the solar system on it, you could probably right. find them for 14 bucks. It depends how much you want to spend, or you can makeshift something yourself. But, you know, makeup usually you have if you're someone who wears makeup. Um, but if you really want to go all out, maybe you can spend an extra. If you're, like, being cheap about it, maybe, uh, you know, another 30 40 bucks in various uh, attire you can buy on, like, Amazon just for, like, the costuming part of it. So what has been... The biggest waste of money that you've had in in pursuit of sex. <laughs> oh my god! Everything. No. Um. Hold on. The biggest <laughs> waste of money. Uh, a thing you've I mean, gone to. A thing you've tried. I'm trying to think. I, I've gone to sex parties where, especially certain gay sex parties, where like the, the consent is kind of different in these spaces, where it's like uh, obviously like a, a straighter or mixed orientation like sex party. There's obviously this huge focus on consent and they usually Mm -hmm. have like ask for verbal consent explicitly just because you hooked up with someone previously doesn't mean they want to do it again don't make anyone uncomfortable don't make people feel creepy versus in gay spaces it's it's different it's different and a lot of people go to these gay parties because they like the fact that it's different they like the fact that they can just be bending over and a guy can come over and just smack his ass or just like Mm -hmm. stick it in him and they find that very hot Mm-hmm. Um, and arousing. And if someone like, if you were to be like, Hey, can I smack your ass while 50 guys are supposed to be like, the f- yeah, of course you can. Like, <laughs> don't fucking talk to me. I'm in the head zone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a very different, but when I, I've gone to, especially when I was younger and I wasn't super aware of this, I definitely gone to parties have been touched and been like, I don't like these older quote unquote creepy dudes who are touching me. I'm going to mm-hmm. leave. And I spent whatever it was, $40 to get in. I was there for three minutes, um, did not like it, and I left. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also an important thing with sex clubs, too. Like, if it was a waste of money and I was not thrilled, I went. But I would have been significantly more upset if I stayed and did something I didn't want to do or feel like I was being violated. So I think it's much better to be like, you know what? 
I'm not feeling it tonight. And I know I had mm-hmm. these tickets two weeks ago. I had a bad day. I don't want to talk to someone. I don't like people talking to me and just like cutting your losses and leaving. Yeah. I think like there were some instances where we would, uh, but the partner and I that were doing all that, we would go in and we'd like pay and we'd go in and we'd look around. And we'd be like, ah, no. <laughs> and then, but there was a feeling of sometimes of like, well, we should at least try to do. I remember one time, I'm just telling tales. I remember one time we were like, we went and we were like, ah, nobody here is cute. Like, this is like, ugh. And then we were like, well, maybe like we could, like we want, I, we should make the best of it. Maybe we could just like fuck on this swing and like that would be worth it. Not really, but we were trying to justify being there. I mean, it, it sucks. I mean, no one wants to waste money. No one wants to get I all know. dressed up, get excited for an event, get there within five minutes, be like, fuck this. I'm not enjoying this. Yeah. There's no one here that I find attractive. People are creepy. I don't like being tough. Whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but like, it's, de- I mean, you can stay for whatever, five, ten minutes. And sometimes your mood does change. Maybe you take a shot. Someone cute comes in. Yeah. But like, so, you know, you can stay for a little bit. But I, I think one of the best things is just being like, you don't have to be there. You're a grown-ass yeah. man, woman, non-binary cutie. You can just leave. Can we talk about, like, monetizing writing about your sex life? And uh, is that lucrative? What are you – I know or kind of already know the answer, but – and, like, what – what do you have to, like, go out and have stories for your boys newsletter? Um, so <laughs> – yeah, I mean, sex is lucrative, definitely. I, I Luckily, I don't feel, I don't like to do things just for the story. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I, if I go in with the mindset being like, I want to write, I mean, sometimes I'm assigned an article about a sex club. I'm obviously going in with the intent to write it, but I'm not necessarily, in my personal life, I just have a lot of sex. I enjoy mm-hmm. having new sexual experiences. So things happened organically for the most part. Uh, with Boy Slut now, what I kind of realized was I was running out of personal things for me to write about, which is when I opened it up and now like turned it into a publication where I have other writers detailing their uh, mm-hmm. first person nonfiction erotica. And I did that also because I am a cis man and I write a shit ton about getting daisy chained because that's the thing I love to do and I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you know, they kind of, it's always my experiences. It's always roughly the same stuff, even if it's right. with different people or different events. And I just wanted different voices. So that's definitely one way that I get um, kind of around it where it's like, okay, I haven't had sex these past two weeks. Um but is that a thing that makes – is that a thing that you're like, oh, there's money in this? Or, like, I can make money from this newsletter? I can – like, what are the ways, you know, you're like, okay, I'm pitching articles. I'm doing this newsletter. So so the main way I make money through it is through writing articles. Um, mm-hmm. And that's definitely the experience of writing. Because I don't just write about sex parties. I only go to whatever – I mean, I go to a lot, actually. I probably go at this point. Now that things are opening to, like, three, four a month. But – um. You know, I, I'm a sex writer in that fact. Like, there's you can always write like SEO content for like what are anal beads, you know, and I have right. people hitting me up to write that stuff. And they'll, and it, you know, you can shit it out. It takes all of an hour, pun two intended, hours. baby, pun intended, then, baby, pun intended, gleefully <laughs> intended. And then you know, they'll pay you 300, 400 bucks for that type of content. And mm-hmm. that's even those are the type of content. The stuff that's honestly like my bread and butter is the stuff I don't even share on Instagram or Twitter or social media because it's, it's more boring, straightforward, basic 101 search engine option pieces. And I think I write an exciting, more compelling piece. I probably write maybe one or two a week as opposed to like the 10 articles I write a week. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but so in terms of writing about sex, there's always opportunities to make money there. Also, I mean, writing pays shit. That's why I'm a brand ambassador and influencer for a bunch of these companies. And the majority right. of my money comes from doing press, doing podcasts, doing interviews, uh, doing Instagram posts, doing the swipe ups and not get erectile dysfunction, mm-hmm. like, like whatever it is to help with your premature ejaculation. And of course, all the products I recommend are products that I have used. I've definitely right. turned down some certain products where like I was going to be brand ambassador for this like shitty cock ring one. I tried them out. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so three out of 10 of these have broken within a can't f- do it. five minutes. I, I do not want to work for you. So it's all good products and good companies and people mm-hmm. I believe in. I try to do it. We know it's queer owned, POC owned, woman owned. Um, but I mean, that is how you have to make money because otherwise mm-hmm. I would be, even as someone who is as quote unquote successful as I am in the sex writing space, um, I, it would be very, I mean, I did it, but it'd be very, very difficult to make more than doing a freelance writer to make more than 40, $45,000, like hustling your ass off, hustling your yeah. ass off to get sex pieces. Yeah. It, it's, it's really, really hard. Time. Yeah. But are there, there are a lot of places that want that content. Are there any like downsides where it's like they want more from you or they want you to like, you know, they're like, Ooh, spice this up or. Um, I mean, the reason why I started Boy Slut 2 was because I was toning things down. Um, uh, that's, it, you know what? I should have, knowing you, <laughs> knowing you and being around you, I should have known that it was, it was not, it was not juicy enough what was yeah, getting out there. I, I like, you know, I, it's, it's weird writing for ma- mainstream publications for graphic sex that you're having. And I don't write graphic sex just for the sake of gratuity, but I I write in a way that I feel like is fundamental to the story where where you're learning some, whether it is I'm getting pegged, I'm talking about my queer identity and I feel more feminine. And I love that when I have a lesbian pegging me and what it means for their sexual fluidity, because they're actually identified as a lesbian, but they're pegging me. So what does this Mm -hmm. mean? You know, like, so, but, so I'm sharing this. There's a reason why I'm sharing the graphic stuff that I'm sharing outside of the fact that it is hot or smutty or graphic. To me, it's like actual queer representation in a way that is like more than just like two femme women on on a CW show kissing. Oh, because it's real. It's real sex. I just want to be able to write in the way that I write. I want to write in a way that is potentially offensive to people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, it's. I love the fact that men's health lets me talk about getting fucking pounded by a dude. Like this mm-hmm. is huge that men's health allows me to do that. And I, I really appreciate how much they have worked so hard to be more inclusive. And I think publications like that are amazing, but yeah, I just want to be able to write exactly what it is that I want to write in the tone that I want to write. I write a lot of humor. I write I have a lot of levity, a lot of self-deprecating stuff, a lot of tangents or whatever it is. And so that's why I really appreciate uh boy slot. So, okay, you give advice on sexplain it. So I'm just three, I'm going to do three quick. uh, Oh boy. Three quick advice things that people asked, okay? Sure. One is someone asked about paying for emergency contraception or birth control for AFAB partners. Is that something that people should split? I mean, the thing is, and I want to be inclusive of all, like however much you're making, but it's like, it's, it's $40. You know what I mean? Like you're having such an uncomfortable, awkward thing right now. Just don't make it more uncomfortable and more of an issue to save $20 by splitting it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that can just create so much more drama. And if you do, I understand $40, it is a lot, mm-hmm. but it's also really fucking expensive to have a child. Uh, yeah. so I, so, so I recommend just like doing the $40 being done with it and just not making this an issue. Cause there's just so much stress and anxiety about this. And you really don't want to add so much more stress. And also you don't want to add stress to your partner who's clearly going through it. Also, like, shit, it wreaks havoc on your body. You don't have to deal. I don't have to deal with that being uh, born male. You right, know what I mean? Like, right. Oh, so like, you're saying just just buy it. Just buy yeah, it. Yeah, just buy her. it for her. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, one last question. Fi- okay, finances in polyamory. How how does that work? Uh, I mean, th- this is something where it depends on what you and your partners decide on. But I think I think it's better to have conversations around money than obviously not and expecting things. I, in most of my relationships, the way that I have done it, which people disagree with, and that is fine, is who whoever ends up making more money just ends up paying more. And when I'm being a freelancer, there have been times where I'm not making a lot of money at all. And my partner steps up. There have been times where I randomly had a pride month is always a good month because, you know, corporate pride is very bad. But them feeling guilty and hiring me is is good is good for me. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and so those months I don't mind paying more as well. I also like there are events I would like to go to if my partner cannot afford it. It's not like and I want them to come with me. I will just pay for them for that. But I've had relationships, poly relationships, where my ex, he was like a doctor and he made a shit ton more and he would just be like, yeah, Zach, I got this. Like, you don't have to, like, I, I don't feel used. But obviously some people are less generous, less giving. They feel weird about that. But it, it, it could be you split everything evenly if you guys make the same amount of money and you can do or that. Or you but spend I think- more, like, what What about, like, if you're, you know, you're like, well, I have two, I have two boyfriends. <laughs> and now I have to buy two Valentine's Day presents. I mean, for the most part, having two boys, I mean, yes, for that you do. I mean, that that's the price of being poly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you do have to buy both of them gifts. I mean, for the most part, it's like I go out with one or I go out with the other. So it's not like I'm paying double because it's like, okay, I would have just right. seen my main partner the same amount. Um, I encourage all my partners to have a sugar daddy uh, who is not me. Uh, I'm, I'm a... I'm a proud supporter of being like yeah like lo- love that for you love that for us really when we think honestly about it. yeah uh, get a sugar daddy and then that'll really take some pressure off of me personally i mean that's i've literally i think i've said those words like verbatim i, I am a monster though so so it does check out. <laughs> the problem is is that we are both monsters i just <laughs> i and then people are like gabby you're such an edgelord and i'm like am i an edgelord i don't think i'm an edgelord like in scarlet envy voice am i the villain I don't think I'm Am the I villain. Am yes. I the drama? Um, anyway, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I Where can people find out more about you and your work? Uh, sure. So Twitter and Instagram is always good. And it's Zachary Zane underscore at the end. Some punk has Zachary Zane. I hate <gasps> him. Uh, how dare he? But Zachary Zane underscore. Also, just Google boy slut. Uh, yeah! the, first thing, the first few things that come up. Uh, uh, also my website, ZacharyZane.com, but honestly, Twitter, Instagram are the best ways and you'll see boy slut splash there and also all my columns for Sex Planet at Men's Health. Thank you so much. Was this entire episode an excuse to talk to my hot friends on my show about sex and dating? Yes. But so many episodes of Bad With Money can be so serious and bleak. I wanted to infuse some joy, especially queer joy, which we do not have enough of. 
And I wanted to keep everyone's words and phrases as they are, without slowing down or explaining the conversation as a sort of cis and straight 101. This is my show, and my friends are sexy and smart. Let me show them off. And remember, they them from now on. Thank you for all the love and support, by the way. Check out the Bad With Money Facebook page linked below and the Bad With Money Insta at Pod, and you can find me at Gabby Road and on TikTok at DabbyGun, D-A-B-Y-G-U-N-N for more because I'm always there talking about the show and talking to you guys. There's also a Discord, which we'll put the link below, but let's chat.